So what's my future? You don't have one. I see you, but you can't see me. Halloween Horror Nights Orlando has mastered the art of the scare. We'll cover each year of this amazing event one by one, picking through the bones and covering its past. So join us now as we open another tomb inside the catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights. Of course, hey, everybody. My name's Hunter, and I am most excited to be here today. I'm always excited. It it never fails. I'm always excited to be on the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights. But I'm especially excited to be here today because I'm presenting a special interview I just had the opportunity to do with Charles Gray, of course, one of the lead designers on Halloween Horror Nights at the Universal Orlando Resort. Uh, Universal was kind enough to give us a little bit of time together where I got to ask some really cool questions to Charles about Revenge of the Two Fairy and The Bride of Frankenstein Lives. But hey, without further ado, I'm just as excited to get into this as you are. So let's go ahead and play that interview. All right. So I am very excited to be here today talking to Mr. Charles Gray, specifically about the two haunted houses that are currently running at the Halloween seasonal event at the Universal Orlando Resort. Charles, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Hunter. This is exciting. I'm I'm so stoked. It's it's awesome to talk about these two haunted houses that it's, you know, normally when we do these kind of interviews, it's it's very close to the beginning of season. I haven't really, I've been able to see them a couple times, but like, it's been so nice to see these houses so many times over the last few weeks. It's going to be really nice to dive into them with you. Absolutely. I, I like talking about them as much as I can. And, and uh, it's also fun to talk about someone who's been through multiple times just to point out some little details here and there. Yeah, well, I, I actually wanted to start off here. So I, I did have the the pleasure to talk to Patrick yesterday, actually. And uh, he's the one who let me in that you have a little stained glass in uh, Revenge of the Two Fairy. Is that right? <laughs> so uh, long story short, um, Patrick and I had decided not to view each other's you know work for a while and yeah. keep it as a surprise. Little did I know that that was because they were inputting a stained glass of the <laughs> character Lord Westhorn, and it was something they pulled off, at, maybe off of Facebook or something, of me. And they made me as the stained glass character. And I walked into the house. And I said, "What the? What? What did you guys do?" And they're all snickering in the background. Uh, it was it was a good practical joke. And I I rarely fall for those, but they got me good. They got uh, me really good. That's awesome. So yeah, I guess that's as good of a place as any to start. So Revenge of the Two Fairy. Uh, man, what an awesome house. I love when HHN does these these fantasy-focused houses. I and, mean, of course, you've got uh, the long history with scary tales in particular. This is a little bit of a different spin on that kind of, like, here is a classic childhood thing, but twisted in this 
I don't want to use the word ugly, but twisted in this horrific way. Uh, it's it's very interesting. Could you tell me a little bit more specifically about Two Fairy? Absolutely. I mean, there is in almost every culture in the world some sort of uh, mythical uh, association with losing their, their teeth. And the research that the team did on it, uh, it's it's pretty creepy in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Um, but this idea of this this pact that was set with the with the tooth fairies that the child must give up his tooth, and in return they'll give him some candy or some coins or something. But if they refuse to give up their teeth, the te- tooth fairy will enact their revenge. And we're in this, you know kind of Edwardian type house there's these tooth fairies and the the child f- refuses to give up his tooth and i love the the nanny is like oh no don't mess with the fairy folk you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> they'll get you and and they do they just tear through the whole house it's it's gory it's uh wonderful um it's it, it's it's pretty crazy I uh, I think this house has has really earned its reputation um, just because a lot of people associate this house with very kind of um, old school HHN uh, vibes. And I think a lot of that has to come with just how uh, brutal and kind of gory that house is, especially using that very fantastical subject of the two fairy, uh, but put through the HHN lens. The interesting thing, too, is I would say with lighting um, this year, too, is we have this layer of, of, like you said, gore and fantastical kills or stuff like that. But it is recessed almost in in the darkness. So for those fans who, who know it, who are looking for these things, you immediately see it. But you get other fans who are coming through or maybe first time visitors who don't see that layer as much. And it's a fun surprise. It's almost as if the uh, the kills are like a Easter eggs. Mm-hmm. So if you go through and you notice the um, one of the characters, you, you you just walk through. Oh, they they killed this this character. You know, one of the decor bodies. But if you look a little closer, they reached through the back of this guy's head and pulled out his jaw. You wouldn't notice that the first <laughs> the first time walking through. Uh, but then as you look closer, you're like, oh my goodness, this is horrific. <laughs> so. I, you know, yeah. I see families with their kids walking through, and they don't—they don't even notice that stuff. They're like, "Oh, that was fun. That was creepy." You're like, "Oh, <laughs> go through again. You'll see some more fun things." So, yeah. I think it is one of those things. So, I, I have a co-host on another show that I do, and he is absolutely adverse. And I think this is a pretty common uh, fear or phobia. Teeth is something that really gets under people's skin, especially with trauma to the mouth area. Is that kind of where? Obviously, you've got this great story to tell, but when you're talking HHN, of course you want to do something that's scary. Was kind of the idea of playing with this this trauma involving teeth like a big part in pushing this house forward? Yeah, there's this one scene where, um, you know, we kind of leaned into it. Uh, it's just an audio stem, but there's a transition in a hallway where you hear a drill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of those dentist drills. Now, obviously, back then, they didn't have that. And that was brought up. They're like, well, you know, that's not really something that's of the era. And, you know, all the creators look at each other and go, and? Because <laughs> we're like, <laughs> we got to have this in there. People are, it's it's about the scare. You see people walking through that section that is 
touching their jaw like, oh, no, it's that yeah. sound, you know? Uh, it's it just gets a great reaction, and uh, sometimes you gotta you gotta bend the rules <laughs> a little bit to get that those fun moments. Sure, sure. So now I'm curious though. I've been wondering this ever since I've gone through the house. So the two fairy uh, or the two fairies, they're a collective, right? There, there's so many of these different little creatures that come to attack this family. Is there kind of like a king or a queen of the two fairies? Like, is that a character that was like ever planned, or is that somebody who who may show up at some point? No, I'm sure. At, at, you know, at some point we we probably talked about that, but sometimes it's just. Uh it's almost like the aliens movies when there's just a collective that first mm-hmm. film you know you or the beginning of that film you see all these aliens and stuff until you see the queen but sometimes just the collective is just as creepy and i think we really leaned into more the story of the child becoming part of that collective and that he is going to experience the joy of now collecting teeth um that transformation to becoming part of the whole is pretty creepy yeah for sure so talking about the other haunted house that's available right now, that's The Bride of Frankenstein Lives. And it's been awesome as a fan of these these classic monster characters to see them. Uh, they've really had their resurgence in popularity. They've always been around, right? But their resurgence in popularity over the last, I would probably say, like three to five years especially and last year seeing the HHN 29 house with the Universal Monsters this one is in an interesting spot because it's kind of a sequel to that house, but it's also like a modern sequel to the Bride of Frankenstein film. That That's a very interesting kind of tightrope that you're walking there. Yeah, and Universal Pictures is great because we, we offered the story to them and they were very excited about it. And, you know, you kind of were, you know, clenching your teeth like, oh, I hope they... Huh. We're talking about the other house now. But yeah, you're kind of clenching your teeth and like, oh, I hope they like this. And yeah. uh, they loved it. They loved the idea. And, and if you think about it, the bride only had a few minutes in her film, you know, and mm-hmm. yet her T-shirt sells out. Just and She's just as popular as these other monsters, you know. So you got these classic monsters that have their own films, multiple films. And then you have this one character who only has, you know, six and a half minutes of airtime or screen time. And... She, you know, there's just as many T-shirts and mugs and hats being sold from her character. So why not find out what happens next? Why not go into her story and dive in deeper? It's fun to take her and see her as as the the character who was just created, who doesn't even have a voice yet. And then she finds her voice. She finds out who she is and what she can become. She becomes the scientist. She becomes the powerful creature that can capture the other brides of Dracula, other creatures and monsters, to find out how to bring her love back to life. The only other being that ever showed her any kind of kindness, and he he's dead, so she's trying to bring him back. It's really a powerful story. Um, and hey... We do we do all the scary stuff, but there might be just a hint of romance there. I think. Yeah, it's it's a really uh, it, it, it's silly. Uh, I get well, not even silly, but like it's interesting to describe it like this. But it's it's almost like a an uplifting like empowerment story, which I think is why so many people ha- have taken to it. So uh, you know, going back to that direction as far as like directly following up the film, I've got to say one of my favorite bits in the entire house and a house that's absolutely just filled with so much great stuff. 
I really love that introductory hallway where you're actually walking directly through the ending of that original film. Absolutely. And um, that character that the, the plays the, the bride, the, we call her the facade bride, and she's in the classic look. And she's up there amongst the rubble with her uh, mate underneath mm. the under the timbers and stuff and you see her struggling to lift the timbers off of him and she just can't she's trying so hard and you just hear her scream that he's dead and that that's her whole trigger and it it is in a way again there is some extra emotion that's added to it this this feeling of despair um that that's added to and and sometimes those types of of horror you know especially with like ghost stories or or where there's some tragedy like that it really adds to the story and adds to the emotion the emotional value of the story as you go through yeah completely i i I do want to give a shout out to who's possibly one of my favorite halloween horror nights characters that i've ever come across I am absolutely in love with the bride's assistant, and I know she has so many fans. Is there anything you can give us about the assistant character? Absolutely. Um, a funny story is that she originally, because when you're creating a house and there's a lot of singular characters and you see them multiple times, it can visually get a little stale. And sure. so what other, what other you know, scare can they have in the house? And the assistant was created originally just in one spot. But then just the look and everything about it, it's like, wow, we could really have her in multiple areas um, to add to the, to the story. And my favorite appearance is that third appearance that she has in the house uh-huh. where she, she just leaps in, you know, into the scene and she's like, get, you know, get back here. And she has her steak. Right. And she's, yes. she, she's stabbing <laughs> this, this, uh, this, uh, vampire offset. And it's just, it, she adds a little bit of that comic relief to it. Her hair is crazy and wild. Yeah. And, uh, it's just a really fun character, and the and the the ladies who are playing that character are just totally into it. There's one of the characters that comes into scene when they have the uh, the bars that slam open, and she makes an entrance, and mm-hmm. she does this like high kick, as she's almost like karate kicking that door open. <laughs> and I walk through the first time, I'm like, well, that wasn't exactly the show direction, but let's keep that. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say uh, she is actually so out of all the show scenes and and a, a house full of them, I absolutely love that that misdirection scare with her doing her karate kick. It's it's fantastic. Um, and then you've got the the dialogue that it feels like all of us can't stop quoting, which is the "Be gone!" Like we yep. we love that. It's uh it's great. I do want to give a, another special shout out. There's a great scene in there that really got underneath uh, my skin in particular. And I've talked to a couple friends and they're like, wow, that's really creepy. There's a great scene not long after that where you go into uh, the, the laboratory and there's actually one of Dracula's brides and she's chained up like in the the old, uh, I, I guess, like the holding bars while the the bride is actively like draining her blood that's a really like twisted scene it's it's an interesting juxtaposition between what you've got with this kind of like scary love story versus like the the i guess the so much stuff that the bride is going through to resurrect her lover 
Yeah, and it's, it, she's a complex character, right? Because the things she's doing are horrific to these vampire brides. Yeah. You're right. This character's in, in stocks, and these big uh, stakes are driven through her arms to drain the blood, and she's screaming and... Um, and I do. I also have to give a shout out to the uh, costuming team because there's that one bride character that has we call her the veiled bride, mm-hmm. and she makes another appearance in the house where she's flying towards you, and it's just such a cool look that they've they've created. It's almost as if she has no eyes, right? She's just yeah. flying with this open mouth, and it's the same in that stocks room where she's just screaming. Um, there's something about removing that. Visually, that portion of the face that makes it more terrifying, and I I can't put my finger. There's got to be some psychological study about eyes or something, but not seeing them, it, it's very creepy. Yeah, I think it's that element where like the eyes are are what humanizes a figure, right? So by removing that element, you are going to get that like kind of under the skin heebie-jeebies effect that you're looking for. Yes, absolutely. So I would be remiss if I did not mention, we do actually get a couple of small little cameos in this house. And a lot of people are curious, including myself, just coming from the Universal Monsters history. You get a, uh, if you're paying close attention, you're not too scared. You get a couple of minutes of face, well, a couple seconds of FaceTime uh, with our beloved Gilman in the lab. Is that kind of a hint towards something in the future is that more of like an easter egg for this house in particular it is most definitely an easter egg um the idea is that that she had you know she's she didn't start with the brides of dracula first she she captured other monsters and experimented on them trying to find that that secret sauce to, to finish the, the <laughs> recipe and then it was she found that it was the immortal blood of the vampires that would would bring her her lover back but um it is funny that Gilman and here's I have a little funny side story for you so we kept placing the creature in that laboratory tube and it kept falling and it would it would lean up against the glass and because it already has those fish lips, it yeah. would expand those fish lips even bigger. And every time <laughs> I would walk through, I would just die laughing. And everybody's like, what are you laughing at? And it just looks like this fishman's like, like I just had a rough day. It was just the funniest thing you've ever seen. And they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. We'll fix that. I'm kind of, and I was like, I kind of don't want you to fix it. <laughs> this is so funny. <laughs> Obviously we fixed it. But yeah. uh, it was just one of those funny accident moments that it just, that memory is going to live with me for years of the sad gill man <laughs> it's uh he had a rough day at work he's just got to rest yes. his head on the window you know it's uh it's been a long day he's been captured by by yep. this crazy lo- love scorn woman like she's she's ready to go um so uh, you know uh we we talked a little bit last year um about yeti terror of the yukon and basically you said hey like People loved that scene from Slaughter Cinema the year before. We expanded that into a maze. I just, I kind of have like a similar feeling because last year, you know, at the end of the Universal Monsters house, everybody absolutely loved that Frankenstein's monster, like stinker scare. And here you get that wonderful back to back with the bride on the right side and Frankenstein's monster on the left side. And I just, I think it's such an awesome callback to last year's house because you leave with the exact same feeling. And I wanted to bring that up because I just think it's so great. Yeah, it's, 
the way the, it's set up this year is the guest does get a little more time than usual to spend with these moments. And, and that is something to bring up about the Tooth Fairy house with all the rich narrative that Patrick wrote for that house. It, it's so great. Uh, we get to experience it. We get to hear it all the way through. And then in this uh, this house with the the Bride of Frankenstein Lives, you get some longer moments of storytelling. And that's something that, that was um, just so wonderful to be able to do and give the fans this year, as I'm kind of calling the, uh, the HHN appetizer for uh, yeah. the next year's event. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, these two houses are great. Um, I, I'm so grateful that we do have a little bit of that HHN experience to check out this year. And uh, if it's if it's any indicator for what we can expect for the big 30th year, it's it's going to be incredible. We're so excited. And, and as much as the fans were excited, we're all fans, too. You know, we're working on it and we're so excited that they said, hey, we're going to we're going to open these two up. And it was it was awesome. So. We uh we all gathered up the team, dove in there, got it open up, and and we're walking through it as much as you guys are, and um, just loving every minute of it. And uh, shout out to all the characters out there; they're just giving their hearts and souls to um to this event and to these two houses, and they're doing such a great job, and they're loving you guys coming through and enjoying it as well. So it's almost like this big, <laughs> big kumbaya moment for uh, <laughs> HHN, but uh, but it's it's well-deserved, and we just are enjoying you enjoying it. Oh, that's awesome. And I, I will say, I don't think the, uh, the impact of a lot of people getting their first ever HHN experience due to these two houses being accessible. Maybe you have somebody that was a little too scared to actually go through the full event or for, for some reason, uh, you know, maybe a little too scared to put down uh, the full event ticket. The fact that they're getting to see these full Halloween Horror Nights productions is pretty awesome. And I guarantee you, you're bringing in a lot of new fans by doing this awesome Halloween experience this year. Absolutely. And really the fan base for this event is growing. Um, and it's a special, a special group of people that are, you know, very inclusive. And we're excited that we're getting this new group, uh, you know, especially these younger fans that are coming in with their parents and, and uh, enjoying it together. And, you know, uh, I, I look forward to seeing all of them next year, too, and seeing what we offer in, in the full scope. So this is, uh, this is an exciting time. For sure. So, you know, with the Halloween experience at Universal right now, you, you're not only doing the haunted houses. Yes, like, that is my favorite part, 100%. That, that's so many of us, that is what we're most excited about. But you are doing other things, like you're doing the Scarecrow stock. Um, something I didn't even consider is you have people wearing their costumes to the park. I'm guessing people are wearing costumes through the mazes, which is a, a pretty great idea. Um, and then you even have things like Skeleton Bar. So there's, like, so many different Halloween activities. Uh, this year all across the resort. Yeah, we also have that tribute store, which I think it's the first time this year that they have like a f food offerings inside the tribute store. So I walked in there and I saw those beating hearts. They're like yeah. these gelatin beating hearts. And I was like, I, that's one of those things like you at least got to try it once, you know, on a dare, you know, like you're eating this beating heart. I was like, that that's fun. That's a lot of fun. <laughs> There was one I, I oh man, I know I'm gonna get the name wrong, but there's like a two fairy like tart now. I'm not sure if you've seen this one. If you haven't, it's 
absolutely disgusting in the best way. It's it's like a cookie with like a red uh, gel filling or something, and then it's got like little candy teeth on the top that are kind of like dirty and grungy. <laughs> it's it's all sorts of messed up, but like we bought one anyways just so just so we could have that experience. They also had some signings there. I know that they had, uh, I believe, TJ Manorino. They had Mike Aiello. Mm-hmm. They've had people signing, uh, just ran- these random signings, too, which is, is a lot of fun. So a lot of great things for, you know, the fans, for annual pass holders, but also stuff for people who are just kind of coming in and checking it out for the first time, these kind of surprise moments um, that they're bringing to life. And uh, I- I'm excited to uh, to bring my kids probably in a-, in a week or two just to walk around during the day and check out all the scarecrows and then uh, and then maybe buy them a beating heart and see if I can get them to eat it. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a cool effect for sure. You've got people like my mom who would never step foot into Halloween Horror Nights, but she saw the tribute store and she's like, I'm going to brave it. I'm going to go in. And then I said, Mom, how did you like the tribute store? She said, it was still a little too scary for me. So I think you're delivering on the promise there. Um, But I'm glad she finally went and checked out something with a little bit of an HHN flavor. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So I encourage everybody to come out and see it. I'd love to see you um, walking through the street. I want to walk behind you and see you get scared in the houses. (laughs) Hey, that sounds like a blast. Well, hey, I know you got to get running, so I really appreciate you coming on today. It's been awesome talking to you and uh, diving into these houses a little bit more. It's great talking to you, Hunter. All right. Once again, I do want to thank Universal Orlando Resort, particularly Charles, of course, and Allie for arranging this interview that we got to participate in. It's really awesome. We love being included. And a special shout out to our Universal Orlando Resort family for doing such an awesome thing. So thank you both so much. Thank you to the resort as a whole. We absolutely love the houses. And if you haven't had a chance to make it out to check out the Halloween event at Universal Orlando, there's still a couple more weeks for you to do so. So go check out The Bride of Frankenstein Lives, Revenge of the Two Fairy. Whether it's your first time or your hundredth time, you're sure to have a blast. So until next time, thank you for listening to the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights. My name's Ben Hunter. And just remember... James Westhorn was wrong. He should have just gave up those teeth. Like, I don't really get it. What the heck, dude? Thank you for listening to the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights podcast. The Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights is a Neozaz Internet Entertainment production. For more great podcasts and original entertainment, visit our website at neozaz.com. The Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights is not affiliated with nor endorsed by Universal Studios Florida. All Halloween Horror Nights properties, icons, titles, events, and related items are property, trademark, and copyright Universal Studios or their respective trademark and copyright holders. For more Halloween Horror Nights coverage, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast and follow our Twitter account at newsaz. To help support the series and all the work we do at Newsaz, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Thanks for listening.